0: Did Donald Trump, through action or inaction, corruptly seek to obstruct or impede Congress's official proceeding to count electoral votes?
1: Why, yes. Yes, I believe he did.
0: Well, I
2: don't know why I came here tonight. That's one reason. I got the feeling there's something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me Jokers to the right Here I am stuck in the middle with you
1: yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California On KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, Down in New Orleans on WHIV out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdon Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all of your favorite podcast sites blanketing planet earth five days a week i'm brad friedman your friendly investigative blogger journalist troublemaker muckraker and all around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of the bradcast and good day desiree (laughs) good day Uh, It has been about six months, incredibly enough, I looked it up, six months since we spoke with our friend, uh, the great Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance on this program. Mm. Luckily, there has not been much news regarding elections in the state of Georgia over that time, so we probably didn't miss out on much. (laughs) Uh, Actually, the last time she was here... It was to discuss the filing of the coalition's federal lawsuit against the state's uh, state of Georgia's SB 202 voter suppression and election subversion law in which I am a named plaintiff uh, representing media and, and journalists. And there has been some very good news in that uh, lawsuit, both this past week and over the summer. Uh, We will discuss uh, both of those uh, good news points in that uh, lawsuit momentarily, along with a whole bunch of related-ish stories that I need to get her reaction to at year's end, including another one of her lawsuits in Georgia against the Dominion Voting Systems touchscreen voting machines there in Georgia. And as I promise, much more. So a lot to talk about uh, with her. That's coming up momentarily. Uh, But first, some quick news of the day here as the apparently unending fight to save both the nation and democracy continues which all now sort of feels like the very same battle, doesn't it, Desiree? I think it is, yeah. 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 Uh, We've got this. Roger Stone, a longtime Republican political operative, dirty trickster, and longtime friend and advisor to Donald Trump, naturally. Uh, He refused on Friday to answer questions from the bipartisan House Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol insurrection, invoking his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Stone was the... Uh, The first witness to publicly acknowledge refusing to testify, claiming the fifth, at least two other high profile witnesses in the investigation have also said that they would invoke that protection, namely John Eastman, a uh, former lawyer for then President Trump who created legal ish. Memos documenting how Vice President Mike Pence could help Trump to steal the election by refusing to count legitimate certified state electoral college votes on January 6th during the official proceeding to do just that at the joint session of Congress that day. And also Jeffrey Clark, the former Justice Department official during the Trump administration who Trump had threatened to promote to attorney general if the then current Acting Attorney General at the time, Jeffrey Rosen, had refused to go along with the the scheme to send letters to swing states like Georgia from the Department of Justice, lying to them about the DOJ having discovered fraud in the election that would then require the state legislatures to reconvene and declare new electors that supported Trump instead of the ones supporting Biden, which the voters had actually chosen on Election Day. Clark uh, has also said that he would refuse to answer questions under the uh, Fifth Amendment, but his deposition was scheduled for Thursday and has now been postponed for health reasons, which, while those health health reasons are unknown at this time, have been reported as being actual legitimate health issues.
0: So he's not just making it up, we think?
1: I guess that's what they say. We'll see. Uh, we'll learn more when that deposition is rescheduled after the start of the new year. So, in any event, that is now three top Trump friends, lieutenants, lawyers, henchmen, campaign officials, whatever you want to call them, who are pleading the fifth for some reason.
0: To refi- avoid self incrimination yeah. in a crime. Why? The Why? criming.
1: What crime? Uh, yeah, th- this is on the basis that, you know, if they did testify to the House committee, they would be impl- implicating themselves in that crime, whatever crime that is. Well, that doesn't look good. That's not a good look.
0: Seems like knowledge of guilt or consciousness of guilt in that respect.
1: Well, the uh, House now uh, seems to be focusing in on a very specific crime of conspiring to stop an official congressional proceeding, which... When done in a terroristic or violent manner, can carry a penalty of up to 20 years in prison. Here's how House Select Committee Vice Chair Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney, noting that very point during the debate before the vote in the House to refer criminal contempt charges to the Department of Justice against Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, for his refusal to testify about thousands of pages of documents and emails and texts, etc. regarding January 6th that he had turned over to the committee. Here's how Liz Cheney described what the committee is now focusing on.
0: Mr. Meadows' testimony will bear on another key question before this committee. Did Donald Trump through action or inaction, corruptly seek to obstruct or impede Congress's official proceedings to count electoral votes.
1: Why, well, yes, I believe that he did. <laughs> uh, and if they can show that, and if the Department of Justice decides to take a criminal referral from the House committee, if in fact they refer that, uh, Donald Trump could be looking at, you know, just 20 years in prison or so. That charge is also the same one that many of the hundreds of low-level U.S. capital attackers are themselves facing right now, as the officials who planned and incited the attack have so far gotten off scot-free. The committee subpoenaed Roger Stone on November 22nd to ask about the uh, D.C. rally where he spoke the day before the insurrection on January 5. And about his fundraising through the website StopTheSteal.org. While in D.C., he reportedly used members of the Oath Keepers, the far-right group whose members have now since been, some of them have been charged in the riot at the Capitol, Uh, He used them as his security team, according to the House committee. The committee is investigating what led to the uh, January 6th riot, what happened that day when 140 police officers were injured and four people died as a mob ransacked the building and temporarily halted the counting of electoral college votes. You know that official proceeding. One officer died the next day after suffering a stroke. Several subsequently took their own lives. A bipartisan majority of the U.S. Senate in a 57 to 43 vote subsequently found that, yes, Donald Trump was guilty of inciting that attack and that riot during his uh, second impeachment trial in the month after the attack Despite being found guilty by the U.S. Senate of inciting that attack, he has yet to face any criminal charges for attempting to steal the 2020 election by fraudulently claiming that he lost it because of fraud. Roger Stone was previously convicted, you'll recall, uh, of seven felonies himself, including lying to Congress and obstructing an investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election. But Trump commuted the sentence in July of 2020, days before he was scheduled to begin serving a 40-month sentence. Trump later pardoned his friend Stone entirely, along with a bevy of other Republicans found guilty of all matter of crimes. But some news in another related matter in which Trump won't be able to help his friends out at this point. Fox News Network on Thursday lost its attempt to dismiss a $1.6 billion lawsuit brought by Dominion Voting Systems, the nation's second largest voting machine company after ES&S. In its lawsuit, which is one of several filed against right-wing propaganda outlets like Fox and against outspoken Trump defenders and attorneys like Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, and The Pillow Guy, uh, who also lied about the company and their attempt to steal the 2020 election. Dominion charges that Fox defamed defamed the company by amplifying false conspiracy theories about its voting system technology. In a written ruling, Delaware Court Judge Eric Davis said Dominion had sufficiently alleged it was defamed by Fox, uh, Fox News's 2020 election coverage and that the case should, in fact, proceed toward trial." Uh oh. Judge Davis said in his ruling, quote, at this stage, it is reasonably conceivable that Dominion has a claim for defamation. Accordingly, Fox's motion should be denied. Dominion's suit filed in March of 2021 accuses Fox of trying to boost its TV ratings by amplifying false conspiracy theories. In other words, demonstrable lies that the company rigged the presidential election against Republican Donald Trump, who lost to Joe Biden. Trump's uh, campaign surrogates, including Giuliani and Powell, floated conspiracy theories. In other words, lies that Dominion rigged vote totals in the weeks after the November 3rd election. Could Dominion have rigged vote totals on its voting machines? Absolutely, they could have. Is there even a shred of evidence to date that they did so in the more than full year that Trump supporters have been claiming as much? Well, none that I have seen. And I have looked at a lot of the claims made by these stooges and grifters and Trump's otherwise punked supporters of his attempt to steal the election. In a statement, Fox News spokesperson uh, called Dominion's lawsuit, quote, baseless and said the network remains committed to defending itself. As we have maintained, Fox News, along with every single news organization across the country, vigorously covered the breaking news surrounding the unprecedented 2020 election, providing full context of every story with in-depth reporting and clear-cut analysis, said the Fox spokesperson. (laughs) Yes, of course, you know, when when you think of Fox News, the first thing I know that I think of is their well-earned reputation for Full context, journalism, in-depth reporting and clear cut analysis. Yeah. Dominion and Smartmatic, another private election software vendor, which, unlike Dominion, doesn't even have any business contracts at all in any of the states that Team Trump is pretending to uh, contest. Uh, Both companies are seeking billions of dollars in damages from Trump's allies that they accuse of defamation, including Powell and Giuliani and my pillow guy, Mike Lindell. In August, a judge denied motions to dismiss Dominion's cases. That motion was filed at the time by Powell and Giuliani and Lindell, the uh, Trump Allies continue to defend themselves in court, arguing that their remarks about Dominion and Smartmatic were free speech protected by the First Amendment of the Constitution, which, last I checked, does not allow the freedom to defame. But I guess that's what we will find out in the months ahead as all of these cases move toward trial, as all of the walls slowly but yes, surely continue to close in on Trump and his fellow election fraudsters and their attempt to steal the 2020 election from Joe Biden, and more importantly, from the American people, from the American voters. Allowing such lawsuits to move forward, to move past the motion to dismiss phase, a motion which is filed in pretty much every such lawsuit, and to move the case on towards discovery and trial, that is a very big deal. That's a big hurdle to get over, and in this case, it is very bad news for Fox and friends. Meanwhile, that was not the only lawsuit that got over the motion to dismiss FaZe recently in federal court, signaling, signaling bad news for defendants trying to undermine democracy and signaling good news for those of us bringing lawsuits to fight to save it. Marilyn Marks, who has two key federal lawsuits moving ahead in Georgia, joins us next to discuss both of them, including one in which yours truly is a named plaintiff and on which we've got some good news to report as well. That is all straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
0: Hey, this is Desi. The Bradcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks.
1: Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. It has uh, been a rough close of the year for those of us fighting to preserve democracy in these United States right now, as the forces of rising authoritarianism are having their moment, particularly in GOP-controlled states around the country where Republicans are gerrymandering U.S. House and state legislative districts, as well as passing voter suppression and election subversion laws in advance of both the 2022 midterms and the 2024 presidential election that as democrats in congress are still being stymied by just two democratic us senators west virginia's joe manchin and arizona's kirsten cinema who claim to support critical federal election reform measures such as the freedom to vote act and the john lewis voting rights advancement act both of which would go a long way toward blocking some of the most egregious anti-democracy measures being taken by Republican states right now. But while voting in favor of both of those bills, Manchin and Cinema, have also, so far, Refused to allow reform to the Senate filibuster rule in order to actually pass both of those bills with a simple majority, since there is almost universal opposition to federal pro-democracy measures from the Republican Party right now, making the ability to overcome a Republican filibuster in the U.S. Senate impossible, at least without a carve out of some sort, to allow bills like freedom to vote and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act to be adopted. There has supposedly been some movement toward some sort of reform to pass one or both of those measures in the U.S. Senate over the past day or three. But I will believe that when I see it for now at the federal level. At least for new legislation, the outlook is not encouraging as we head into the holidays. At the state level, however, lawsuits are being brought against some of the worst voter suppression measures being pushed through GOP-controlled states, such as, such as our old friend, the state of Georgia. There are now at least eight different challenges having been filed to the GOP's SB 202 bill, passed in the wake of Trump's failed attempt to steal the 2020 election there and in other states. In Georgia, you'll recall, Joe Biden won the Peach State narrowly by about 12,000 votes. It was the first time a Democrat has won there since 1992. And that uh, victory was subsequently followed up by the victory of two Not one, but two Democratic U.S. Senators in Georgia, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, in the January runoff in the state. SB202 was passed shortly thereafter by panicked Republicans in the state legislature, I guess. Among other things, the bill, uh, the act, the law makes it harder for certain voters to vote at all via absentee ballot and famously bans the distribution of food and water to voters waiting on line about which several voting rights organizations and the U.S. Department of Justice have now filed suit. But the offensive bill also does some other terrible stuff like allow the state election board and the secretary of state to replace county election officials for almost any reason they like, replacing them with partisan officials who can then in turn reverse election results again for almost any reason they like. It also adds restrictions on uh, public observers, including the media, in what uh, we can and cannot report about the way that elections are being run in the state and the way that ballots are being tallied, which seem to uh, amount to clear enough violations of the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and the right to a free press to report on elections as we have been doing here on the Bradcast and a bradblog.com for nearly 20 years now, uh, it seems a sufficient enough violation that I was honored, happy, agreed to become a plaintiff in a federal lawsuit filed earlier this year against SB202 by the Coalition for Good Governance, led by our longtime friend of the show and the election integrity superstar, Marilyn Marks. Well, on this... On that case in which I'm a plaintiff filed by the coalition, we've got some very good news for you today, I believe. That suit and all seven of the other suits filed against SB 202 in federal uh, district court in Georgia. uh, All of us got some good news recently. And believe it or not, it came from a federal district court judge appointed by Donald Trump. As Newsweek recently reported, U.S. District Judge J.P. Boulay said Eight lawsuits challenging Georgia's new voting law can move forward. Boulet, a Trump appointee, gave the go ahead after rejecting motions for dismissal, though he said he might condense some of the lawsuits based on their similarity. The majority of the suits brought against SB 202's uh, the SB 202 election law alleged that it violates the Voting Rights Act by discriminating against voters. One of the lawsuits brought against the bill, however, and that would be the one in which I am a plaintiff, specifically calls into question how the state election board can remove county election officials, which the suit, says violates the right to free speech and is unconstitutional as Newsweek describes it. County election board members, journalists, that's me, voters, election volunteers and nonprofit organizations filed the lawsuit against the Secretary of State and members of the state election board. The first lawsuit challenging SB 202 was filed the very same day that Governor Brian Kemp signed it into law, AP notes in their coverage. Others soon followed, including one brought by the U.S. Department of Justice. The state officials named in the complaints, as well as Republican groups that joined the suits as defendants, filed motions to dismiss. But U.S. District Judge Boulay issued orders allowing all eight lawsuits to proceed. Boulet rejected arguments that the plaintiffs did not have the right to sue hadn't stated any particular harm suffered or hadn't justified the relief that they are seeking. Mark Elias, prominent Democratic attorney, said this is a huge step in our fight to protect voting rights for Georgians and voters across the country. He is the attorney who filed the first suit in Georgia, and he is challenging GOP-backed election laws in other states as well. ACLU of Georgia attorney Rahul Garabadu said Georgia's anti-voter law makes it harder to vote for Georgia's citizens of color and citizens with disabilities, and we look forward to continue to fight this law in court. And as to what AP describes as the one lawsuit that challenges a new process for the state election board to remove county election officials as well as other provisions, it says violates free speech rights. Yes, that's the one filed by the Coalition for Good Governance, in which I'm a plaintiff, for comment from them. Well, we are delighted to be joined today for the first time in months, actually, by Marilyn Marks, longtime expert advocate for free and fair elections as executive director of the coalition, which is a nonpartisan nonprofit organization committed to fair elections and government transparency. Oh, Marilyn Marks, time no chat with at least on air. Welcome back to the broadcast.
2: Thank you so much, Brad. I appreciate you asking me today.
1: Uh, well, we have got a lot to cover today, Marilyn Marks, as the year ends, uh, and not just on your two different lawsuits uh, that you've got uh, moving forward now in Georgia. As It's it's a lot that I want to ask you about on the progress of, of both of those suits, actually. Uh, but as we had news today that a federal judge has allowed Dominion voting systems... Uh, and their $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against Fox News to move forward this week, uh, a a judge has rejected their motion to dismiss that case. Now, you have a longtime suit in Georgia that you are still pursuing there against the use of the terrible new touchscreen Dominion voting machines that are used across the entire state. So I wanted to sort of get your uh, reaction to the news news that Fox News can move ahead with their lawsuit. And, and and why you, you know, who have been as rough on Dominion voting machines as perhaps anyone in the country in your own lawsuit, why, why have you not faced this kind of retru- retribution from Dominion, Marilyn?
2: Well, Brad, that's, that's a good question, and, and the answer is somewhat nuanced. I'm thrilled that Dominion is going to be able to pursue this lawsuit against Fox because, you know, Fox was promoting as hard as it could, all sorts of lies that that we all now talk about as the big lie, but mm-hmm. they were promoting all sorts of lies about the use of the Dominion system, and in fact, they should be called out on what they did, because for of all of the damage that they have done to the truth about what happened in the election or not, but also because what it does, it makes serious claims, like the claims that, that our scientists are so concerned about, mm-hmm. uh, not the claims, but the, but the vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. it tends to make things confusing for the public and for officials yeah. when you see a lot of false claims. And in fact, you know, Fox and the people they were quoting were guilty of many false claims about the Dominion system. Our issue with the Dominion system has to do primarily, Brad, with the touchscreen portion itself mm-hmm. as we are against any manufacturers touchscreen voting system mm-hmm. because although you know all of these voting systems have flaws in in terms of vulnerabilities if we use hand marked paper ballots and then audit the results any type of manipulation will be detected, any type that's material.
1: You know, I I find myself in a a very strange place here, sort of, uh, you know, rooting for Dominion, given that I am no fan of Dominion. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But, you know, you can't just lie about stuff. And when folks like Fox make these false claims against Dominion, I think that it makes... Makes it very difficult for legit folks like yourself to make a legit case against the use of these terrible voting systems. Uh, you know, so I mean, do you find a similar personal conflict when you hear yeah, ab- about these ab- suits? And-
2: Absolutely. But, um, but, Brad, aren't yeah. we after standing up for the truth? no matter what the truth is.
1: Mm -hmm. And,
2: you know, sometimes I have to take up for the Secretary of State in Georgia, even though, for the most part, he is doing a terrible job. But, you know, when he is being falsely accused, we have to stand up for him. The same thing true of Dominion.
1: And speaking of Dominion, again, we will get to the SB202 case, but there's so much going on, including on your case, uh, which is is trying to get rid of these terrible new Dominion uh, unverifiable Dominion touchscreen voting systems this is the same case that was successful in getting rid of the Diebold touchscreen voting systems that Correct. the state had previously forced uh, on all voters at the polling place for like 20 years until the your federal judge found uh, no those systems are not safe they're not secure and they are therefore unconstitutional they were banned but they were replaced with these Dominion machines, which arguably are just as bad. Now, uh, we spoke about your case, the Dominion uh, machines uh, in Georgia, when Mike Lindell, the pillow guy uh, who who lies about fraud on behalf of, of Donald Trump, had released some software, or at least during one of his conferences, had released some software from Dominion. It was right before the California recall election out here where... Those Dominion machines are also used in a number of counties, and that endangered the California recall as election uh, experts uh, had had tried to warn the Secretary of State out here, specifically because in your case, one of your expert witnesses, Alex Halderman, has been allowed to examine those Dominion touchscreen ballot marking devices in Georgia and has apparently found some alarming vulnerabilities that were so alarming at this point. The uh, judge in your case has not just sealed his findings, but kept it from even you, a plaintiff in the case, from being able to see it. Only the attorneys are able to see it, though. I, Is it true? Your attorneys can see it. You can't. And on the defendant's side, that Dominion they are allowed to see it, but you can't? Is it, do I understand that correctly first?
2: It, um, that is correct. And, in fact, um, also importantly, the Secretary of State, the State Election Board in Fulton County, mm-hmm. the defendants have not seen it. Their attorneys have. And they are more or less keeping it from their clients so that they don't have to see this, this unbelievably compellingly urgent report and so that they've essentially got plausible deniability the the judge has certainly indicated that she would she would grant permission for them to see it and study it but um they've not asked but finally mm-hmm. finally um there has been a change in that she encouraged at a November hearing we had Brad the judge that, um, the judge in this the case the judge yeah. excuse me the judge uh-huh. encouraged at the hearing that Dominions should certainly um, be allowed to look at it if they wanted to, Mm -hmm. and in fact they have, within the last week, received the redacted version of Alex Halderman's report. You know, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Dr. Halderman did a report fairly recently that redacted out all of the kind of uh, how-tos, but yet the judge has not even granted me and the public permission to see that yet. Well, he redacted it so that it would be safe for the public and that's really been the change I think since since you I think interviewed Philip Stark about right. about the um, about mm-hmm. the report. So recently um, Dr. Haldeman has made a report that's supposed to be safe for the public. Meaning and you say
1: it removes the mm-hmm. how-to's, in other words the uh-huh. how-to Use these machines to steal an election because that's what Correct. I understand is that there's something uh, that Halderman has found in these reports that is so alarming that would allow, uh, as I understand it, one person really with one of these voting machines at the precincts to somehow get access to sort of the entire system in some way. I don't know. It's unclear because, again... That report has been uh, sealed, and all we have to go on is what uh, Alex Holderman has sort of said about this report. But here's my question for you, uh, Marilyn. We have a law out here in California where we use these same systems. If this report has gone to dominion, as I understand California law... If there are flaws found in voting systems that are used in California that are discovered by the uh, manufacturer themselves, in this case, Dominion, Dominion would have to tell the state of California about these flaws. And then, as I understand it, the state of California would then have to notify the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission. I don't know if you're familiar enough with the laws out here in California to be able to comment on it, but has any of that actually happened, to your knowledge, because it would be nice if it did.
2: Well, Brad, in fact, you're right uh, about the California law. California has, I think, probably the strongest law in the United States on this mandatory disclosure. Mm -hmm. And yes, Dominion has to inform the California Secretary of State within 30 days of getting, you know, uh, reports Mm -hmm. of defects, failures, et cetera. And certainly these very vulnerabilities which dr halderman has found are are bred even more serious than the Debo system that was declared unconstitutional mm. apparently it's way worse so so what happens is that the vendor dominion in this case has to report to the secretary of state in california secretary of state must then report it to the eac under california law so yes it should be happening soon we have not heard of any report Made to California yet?
1: Have have you? No, I haven't. And that's why I uh-huh. wanted to ask you about it because if you hear, if you hear that Dominion has in fact finally given this to the California Secretary of State, Marilyn Marks, please let me know because we tried to get at this information uh, before the California recall. Uh, these systems are used in, I can't remember now, three, four, five counties around the state, some bi- rather big ones like Riverside County and San Diego. Right. And uh, you know if they if these systems are vulnerable, well, it should sure would be nice to know about. I let me get to some other stuff here. Uh, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll circle back to that one. I and suspect. you guys
2: should ask for it. By the way, I yeah. ask about it within a few weeks. You guys should ask about. It. Ask the secretary out there about do they
1: have it. I can't do everything, Marilyn. (laughs) Me either. Me either, Brad. I know the feeling. (laughs) All right. Well, here's one thing we are trying to do is uh, sue the state of Georgia in this other, uh, this SB202 case. Right. Uh, And so, you know, I think it's a big deal that uh, those those cases are being allowed to move forward, for example, against uh, Dominion. uh, I'm sorry, uh, Dominion against Fox News. Now, in your case, you had a similar victory with all seven, your actually all eight of these cases now being allowed to move forward, being allowed by a Trump-appointed judge to move on to, uh, I guess, discovery, and then trial. How big a victory is that for the coalition? It was a big
2: victory, Brad, and thank you for being a co-plaintiff in the case. It, it was a very big victory because... This is the Georgia voting rights law that people read about in the major newspapers mm-hmm. and hear about on CNN and MSNBC all the time. Mm-hmm. This is the very threatening law that basically says, you know, state, the state of Georgia can take over the county elections, mm-hmm. control everything, black everything out in terms of transparency, essentially make, make the election not even necessary because they can control it all. But when the judge issued a very, very careful and lengthy Mm -hmm. opinion on um, why this case should go forward, he let all of our claims go forward. And we were very, very pleased that the state wasn't able to knock out any of them. So, yes, you're right. This goes to trial now, discovery and trial. And uh, it's really now a question of whether or not all of these cases are consolidated. The judge asks for opinions on whether or not it should be consolidated. I think he would like to see them consolidated. We would like to see ours separate because it is so different from all of the yeah, other cases. Yeah, that's what
1: I wanted to ask you about because, mm-hmm. well, A, I was very uh, concerned when I saw that all of these cases were sort of thanks to the luck of the draw were assigned to this Trump judge. But, yeah, reading his ruling in this uh, motion to dismiss, uh, I was actually quite impressed. He seems to be taking this quite seriously. Yes. He mm-hmm. um, You know, both the plaintiff's arguments and the defendant's arguments. I, You know, he did not mm-hmm. give them short shrift. Right. Um, but in combining these cases... There are a lot of similarities, sort of, between the other seven. I see your case is actually very different. How would you describe your case? The difference in your case from the other ones—not to say they aren't great by the, you know, the NAACP and the DOJ and I think Stacey Abrams' fair fight and so forth—but yours is just different. How so? It
2: is. There's, the other cases tend to be focused on intentional racial discrimination. And, you know, they are all Mm well-suited to fight that very righteous battle. We are well-suited to fight about election administration. Mm -hmm. And what ours is about is we're really the only ones that are charging hard Mm -hmm. at the takeover provisions and saying that those are unconstitutional. The state cannot take over a bipartisan county board. And they're very complex legal arguments, but that is a key focus of ours. And as you know... Transparency is at the core of our work mm-hmm. at Coalition for Good Governance, and that is the other thing that we are really focused on here. As you know, we already won, thanks, to, thanks in part to you, we already won a preliminary injunction on the press taking, taking photography. There was a photography mm-hmm. ban that was part of a suite of anti-transparency mm-hmm. measures in, in uh, SB202. Yeah. Like, you couldn't report a problem. If you, as a member of the press, were in the mail ballot processing room and you saw ballots being rejected, mm-hmm. you weren't even able to talk about it In under SB 202. Yep. We've got, try that piece, we are focused. You know we're good at the election administration side. Yep. Yep. Better than anybody, yep. I would say. Yep. Yep. And so that's what we have focused on. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we're letting the other seven cases deal with more the racial discrimination, the people who are who has spent a great deal of time working in the Voting Rights Act
1: and, and, over and, the years. And just to underscore, because uh, you said we did win uh, one injunction, that was uh, mm-hmm. on one of the sections the uh, you referred to it as the photography mm-hmm. ban, which actually criminalizes... Mm-hmm photography of voted ballots or of the touchscreens while they are in use by a voter, that despite, you know, decades, centuries of, of, you know, routine uh, press observation, press photography, videography in the polling place. To make it in such, the mail
2: ballot processing room, which is what place we really wanted to focus.
1: Yeah, and uh, so at least there was an injunction on that prior to the November municipal elections out there. Does that at this time does that injunction stay in place now until yes, it there's does. a okay uh-huh. good uh, until the trial uh-huh. as we discussed uh, with the great. Georgia Civil and Voting Rights Advocate Helen Butler of The People's Agenda. She's Uh, fabulous. She's fantastic. We talked with her just a few days ago on the show. She was a longtime member of the Morgan County Georgia Board of Elections until she Mm -hmm. was pushed off of it as part of one of many of these so-called county election board restructurings that are now underway in Georgia. But they have resulted in many black Democrats being purged from those boards. Now, even if your lawsuit, Marilyn Marks, is successful in striking down SB 202 and this provision that allows the uh, state election board to sort of reach down and remove uh, election officials, it will not, as Helen Butler explained on the show, it does not necessarily stop the purge of election officials in many counties because there is a separate law that's been in place for years, rarely used, but is being used now by Republican uh, county commissions to remove voting rights advocates from county election uh, boards. It, it, do do I understand that correctly? Even SB 202, if we kill it entirely. It won't stop the purge being done by Republicans in the state of Georgia.
2: Unfortunately, you and Helen are right about that. It it has been a long standing law that has typically served to make sure that there was bipartisan representation on the vast majority of the county boards, but they were slightly different in the way that, you know, each county maybe wanted to choose the chair or the term of service and that sort of thing. So it's been a county-by-county option, but it is something that is approved by the state legislature. Unfortunately, now we are seeing county legislative delegations Mm -hmm. controlled by the Republicans saying, you know what, we want to control all the seats on the election board, too. Uh So we're going to have our Republican colleagues pass a law that says we're in control Forget the Democrats like Helen Butler. Get them. Get rid of.
1: Them. Which is why it is so important, and that's why you know the work that the coalition does is so important. Looking at election administration, and I know that you know people are listening to this conversation thinking, "Wow, this is a really geeky one." Yeah, it is, but it's important. It's important for people to understand how this, how election administration works, and frankly, how it can be abused, and frankly, how there are a handful of groups out there like Maryland who are paying attention and trying to do something about it. Okay, Marilyn, I told you it was going to be wide-ranging today because this this is what happens when we don't talk for six months. (laughs) That's right. Another case uh, in Georgia that we've spoken about on this show, but I don't think we have discussed with you, Garland Favorito of uh, a group named Voter Georgia. He he, uh, used to be what I considered a... Legitimate election integrity advocate, even as he, you know, has long come from the right, specifically the Constitutional Party. You, by the way, uh, came from the right from the Republican Party. In any event, Garland. No
2: more. more. All right.
1: Congratulations. (laughs) Uh, Nonetheless, Garland uh, had his own sort of long running challenge to the election results from 2020. Uh, In Georgia tossed out by a judge. It was the ruling was that he didn't have standing to be allowed to review ballots in Georgia, that his lawsuit claims had been fraudulently added to the count. Now, I think the evidence is weak there, but Mm -hmm. as I understand it, the judge determined that, you know, he, he was unable to show that he would have been harmed by these alleged fraudulent ballots in a way that was different from everyone else. He could not show particular harm. In other words, because everyone would have been harmed by this, he did not have standing to show that he was particularly harmed by it. Now, I have questions about that ruling and throwing out the uh, his his case on that basis. It seems kind of ridiculous, frankly, but what bothers me about it is that, you know, I think folks, even conspiracy theorists, even people who are misinformed or lied to about fraud, I believe that they should have the right to see election results and ballots for themselves so long as, you know, such challengers pay the costs of the uh, of, of looking at those ballots, and that the ballots remain securely in the custody of election officials during the viewing of the ballots. Unlike the cyber ninja clown show that we saw in Maricopa, uh, Maricopa, uh-huh. Arizona earlier uh-huh. this year,
0: uh-huh.
1: I, you know I think one of the reasons we're in this mess, Marilyn, is because the public has been locked out of being able to oversee their own results, their own elections even if they're, you know, they've been misled. We shouldn't hide ballots from the public who wish to see them, or we will never be able to prove to the public whether elections are accurately tabulated or not. So I opposed tossing Garland's uh, case for that reasons. I'd love your thoughts on that. Okay, and if I'm I out disagree of my mind.
2: With, with you a little bit on okay. that case. However, I completely agree that ballots should be public records, be able to be mm-hmm. observed under secure user pay conditions Mm -hmm. you know the ballot images should certainly be public records free to anyone to look at those are the snapshots
1: of the ballots that are taken when they're initially scanned right yes yes.
2: and we recommended legislation last year that got through under sb202 believe it or not it it came in through that That ballot images are public records in Mm -hmm. georgia now and what i'm doing this year, I didn't get much support for it last year, but I'm working with a legislature this year again to propose that Georgia law be changed so that ballots themselves mm-hmm. are public records in the way that Good. you described. Good. And I think that's the way to do it rather than trying to go to a court and say, I know that Georgia law doesn't permit this, but, you know, we didn't show up when we we had to, when we have been given the opportunity before the ballot boxes got sealed up and sent sent back to the court for safekeeping. We didn't show up to do our job as Republican watchers, and therefore now we need to look at them. No, don't ask the judge to change change the Georgia law. So the reason instead. you disagree
1: with me is because you feel they had that opportunity to do it and they didn't oh take gosh. it at that time, and now they're oh, trying to go back and a
2: go? That is a... a, 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 a session for another show, um, Brad, <laughs> I will tell you that Trump and the Republicans did not even begin to look at 5% of what they could have, nor did Trump ask for the recounts and scrutiny that he had the mm-hmm. right to do. He let the ballot boxes get closed and sealed away and put away in storage before he started trying to then say, oh, we got to look at them, got to look at them. Ah. And I believe it was because he knew full well that if they had been scrutinized there would be no problems
1: out. so we are in agreement that citizens the public the media whoever should be able to look at actual ballots at some totally. point at some appropriate time
2: well yeah you know right after the election is fine uh-huh. while it's while the contest period is still up but open. what
1: if you don't and hear about a problem until later on uh, you know weeks later and it's after the period well, of time there
2: too you know that's fine too. I mean, yes, they should mm-hmm. be as as soon as they are reasonably available. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to grab them out of the the, the of official's hands while right. they're still counting them. Of course. But as soon as they're reasonably available, and then for for the next two years, so long as they're preserved, absolutely. Well, we're in and, the two-year period. Now.
1: What's what's wrong with him looking at them now within that two-year period? Because the law
2: hasn't changed. The law I hasn't see. changed. As soon as we can get the law changed, and hopefully we will, I don't know why Garland and those guys didn't ask for this last year. Mm-hmm. When we did, they weren't okay. supporting what we asked for last year. But, but um, yeah, if we can get the law changed, they could certainly go back and look at the 2020 ballots. That would be completely fine. I, but, of course, I agree, and you probably may not recall that that's how I got into this business to begin with. I sued Aspen, Colorado mm-hmm. to have the ballots in my elections made public. Mm-hmm. And it took 3 years to get to get yeah. that decision from the Colorado Supreme Court.
1: Well, I you know, I think what we're seeing uh, what, uh you know, well I, well what I'm experiencing, maybe you are too. And I got to get to a quick break here uh, shortly Marilyn and we'll come back with one one other story I want to ask you about, but This is kind of like my worst nightmare, not the fact that, you know, Donald Trump is lying and making up claims of fraud, but the fact that our election system is so difficult to oversee. We have got so many, you know, private companies, uh, vendors and computers, secret computers tallying Uh votes that it seems like we have, Asked for this moment to occur. And that's why I've spent so many years trying to say, no, this all must be public. Otherwise, it lets bad guys like Donald Trump make claims that are very hard to disprove because everything is locked away and and the public has such a, a difficult time. Uh, overseeing it and knowing whether the results are, were accurately tallied or not. And this is the chickens coming home to roost. It's my worst nightmare. It's what I've been warning against for yep. 15 years. Do, you, uh, do we agree on that I, point? I
2: completely agree. And, you know, our friend Professor Philip Stark uses the terms that an election must be both defensible and contestable. And in Georgia, mm-hmm. our elections are neither defensible nor contestable. And it, there is not the transparency, and there is too much complexity, as you just said. We're in total agreement.
1: All right. Quick break, uh, Marilyn. Can you stick around for one more uh, second here? All right. Speaking with uh, Marilyn Marks, the uh, longtime uh, election integrity champion, the executive director of Coalition for Good org. I got one more question for you from, uh, well, I was going to say left field, but maybe right field. Uh, Stand by for that, Marilyn Marks. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Our nightmare election may be over, but new ones are on the way. Here at The Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. Please help us continue that fight over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Yes, the devil is... Still down in Georgia, but he may have met his match with my guest today. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. I'm speaking with the great Marilyn Marks from Coalition for Good about her uh, several lawsuits in the state of Georgia uh, and much more uh, today because we haven't spoken with her for a while. Uh, Marilyn, I've got one story that I want to ask you about that I've been walking around with since Thanksgiving and haven't had time to cover it on the show. Let me share this story, and then I'll uh, get your reaction to it, if you don't mind. Okay. So this comes from AP. Uh, mid-November, this came out. The, the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights has appointed to a federal election advisory board a prominent Republican attorney who assisted former President Donald Trump in his failed effort to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Cleta Mitchell was named to the Board of Advisors for the Federal Elections Assistance Commission. The EAC certifies voting systems and advises local election offices on compliance with federal election regulations. Mitchell was nominated by the Republican-appointed members on the uh, U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. She's the prominent Republican lawyer who, who joined Trump on that infamous January 2 phone call. With Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, which you will remember is the one where Trump implored Raffensperger to find him uh, 11,780 votes, just enough to flip the state to him. Mitchell was on that phone call and she claimed at the time that she had found some possible examples of fraud in the state. Uh, Raffensperger told her that her data was totally wrong. The fact that Cleta Mitchell, of all people, would be named to a board of advisors for the Federal Elections Assistance Commission, I'm not even sure how this can happen. But the fact is, she was apparently appointed back in April, but nobody heard about it until this became public just last month. Marilyn Marks, your reaction to Cleta Mitchell sitting on a Board of Advisors to the Elections Assistance Commission, the EAC.
2: Well, I I think you laid it out so well that my reaction would be obvious. She was advising Trump on that phone call with Brad Raffensperger. She was advising Trump when he was asking to have Brad Raffensperger find him 11,800 more votes. And as you know, the district attorney is looking quite seriously and pulling together a grand jury for a possible indictment of President Trump. Therefore, you know, anybody who is advising him, you have a hard time uh, wondering, have a hard time coming up with a good answer as to why she should be an advisor to the Election Assistance Commission.
1: Uh, it's she may end up being if they do bring charges. They're not only looking at uh, you know uh, election fraud charges, but perhaps conspiracy charges, yes. bringing in a whole bunch of folks, including potentially Cleta Mitchell, who took part in this conspiracy. And she now sits on a on an, an advisor board advisory board uh, to the EAC, which is supposed to be overseeing elections across the country. No wonder we are so screwed up in this country. Marilyn Marks, all I ask is that you save us all.
2: Oh, that's that's, uh, an awfully big job that we're not up for yet. We've got our 50 yards of the battlefront. Here in Georgia, And we appreciate your support for it, Brad, and we appreciate your listeners <laughs> you, who are kind enough to donate to us.
1: You are up for it, and folks can donate. Thank you for mentioning that. Can donate at coalitionforgoodgovernance.org. You can also find Marilyn on the Twitters, and I strongly recommend that you do. She is Marilyn R. Marks the number one, Marilyn R. Marks, one, and and again, coalitionforgoodgovernance.org. Keep them in mind uh, when it comes to your end-of-year giving. Marilyn Marks, thank you for getting us all thank caught up. You, we won't Brad. make it six months next time because, we, obviously, we've got a lot to talk about. Thank you, Marilyn, and uh, you. happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy all of that holidays
2: stuff. to you and your listeners.
1: Thank you. Okay, we've got to get out. Yes, but I just want, was, to yes. go, want to say before we go, we will
0: make everybody listening to this show an election integrity watchdog geek
1: yet. <laughs> are you are you saying that was a geeky conversation? Desdoyan? Yeah, I think so,
0: but that's okay because people need to understand they how do. elections work.
1: Yes, they do. To figure out how they work, to figure out how they're broken (laughs) all right got to get out thank you very much desi doyan our producer thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us if you missed any portion of today's program or any other you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com share it with your friends and your family and your enemies and your neighbors and everybody else you can oh hey while you're there think of us for your end of your giving we are bradblog.com slash donate or just hit one of them donate buttons at the site uh, you can drop me an email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the TheBradBlog. See you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.